Vegas Bad Boys Podcast presents Matt Michaels People I Don't Hate Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on the Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting Today I am joined by an up-and-comer who is taking the world by storm Ashley D Because <laughs> I freaked out and stopped it <laughs> Let, Ashley D is great. <laughs> let everyone know, though, uh, how to pronounce your last name so if uh, they ever encounter you, they don't say it wrong. Okay. Ashley Domboise. Domboise. See? Domboise. I should be able to do Dombois. that. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. It's the spelling. Just just close out the letters in your head and just say Domboise. Is it, but I'm doing well. Is it... Uh, is it what what's the background on your heritage or you know is it uh oh where does that's a fun uh <laughs> it's french okay no i love it and um apparently it means like of the trees or of the forest really which yeah so got a little fairy spirit <laughs> um but my my dad's side of the family that name is really it was made famous from my dad's uncle, Jacques D'Amboise. Okay. So he was the first male principal ballet dancer for New York City Ballet. And, wow. Uh, yeah. Wow. So, um, dance has been in my blood for a minute now. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, was that something that, as a, as a little girl that you were involved in did you did your parents ever uh, push you that direction or did you ever decide hey i want to do this oh totally so my dad was all into me doing ballet he was a third degree black belt and i was like ah. i want to fight and he's like no you're gonna do ballet <laughs> and then uh my mom always wanted to go to new york city she was um a miami dolphins cheerleader she was a jazz dancer, a theater girl, like wanted to do all of the above. And when I started getting into dancing and then uh, I didn't actually buy into it until I saw a Backstreet Boys concert when I was eight years old. And then I was like, I want to be a superstar. I want to be a backup dancer for the Backstreet Boys. That was a superstar for me. And um, that's where I was like, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to travel the world. I'm going to move to New York City. And my mom was all for it. And my dad was like, yes, you're not going to be a fighter. Go dance. And uh, <laughs> here we are. <laughs> we'll circle back to wrestling through dancing and bodybuilding. I've come to wrestle now. And oh, my goodness, over the pandemic is when I really started to, like, get into it. And he yeah. saw me do a few bumps. At a, like he saw me do a snapmare. He saw me give a snapmare and take a snapmare. And he was like, Ma chérie, no, you're not going to do that. He has got this really thick French accent. He's like, you need to take a judo class or a jiu-jitsu class and learn how to fall because you're falling and you're going to die. Like the way you're, you're taking the floor is not good. So um, I started doing jiu-jitsu over the pandemic. And then one thing led to another. I ended up with, Team Adams at Damien Adams School in Warren, New Jersey. Moved out of the city, went to Jersey, and yeah, that's the history. <laughs> uh, you know, when you when you think about having the support of your family and um, mm -hmm. the um, the anxiety you, you put your dad through in in, ter in terms of taking bumps and um, yep. how do you? Um, because obviously, you know, it's funny because support is one thing. And then the reality of actually seeing your, you know, your daughter take a bump. Um, how do you, as um, someone who's very passionate about it, very into it, um, how do you put their mind at ease that what you're doing is, even though it looks you know, horribly painful, even though at times, you know, we've all, those of us who've been in the ring, we've all taken bumps that, you know, three weeks later, you're still going, what the hell did I do? Um, yeah. How do you put Can't that? look to the left. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I'll tell you. I, I, once I spiked the top of my, uh, the top of my spine, oh. like right on the crown 
and I had to still, you know, I was still driving. I was in LA, so I was driving from uh, Burbank down to like Huntington Beach to train. And at that point, because I was injured, I really I couldn't train, so I was driving just to watch, absorb, etc. I couldn't turn my head to look to see if another car was coming in the other lane. <laughs> so I heard, yeah, wrestlers turn their body. Yep, exactly. That's what I learned. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, that's how you do it. Just kind of like that. <laughs> From the waist. But but it, but but is it something that you've been able to put their mind at ease that hey you know what I'm doing here um, I am I am fairly in control plus the people I'm working with also work to protect me so we we protect each other did that have to be something you had to explain on how that aspect works that you're not trying to kill each other I think my mom is more uh, I talked to her more about. It and the fact that I continue my training, it's not like, okay, I trained and now I'm going to be doing shows all the time. It's like the fact that I continue training and learning better techniques, better ways to absorb impact. My mom is more like, okay, honey, like she, she, she I don't really have to explain it too much to her. It's like, I got it, mom. And she's yeah. like, go for it. She's going to support me no matter what. My dad is the one who... I don't think he still believes me because he's like, uh, he'll watch my matches on AEW or the most matches I've had have been with that company. Right. And he's like, okay, babe, you're getting a little bit better, a little bit better. Like your, your, your technique is getting there, but like, you still need to do this like, um, straight, straight. I don't think he fully grasped it and I love it. I want him to believe it. So I don't want to yes. ruin it. I won't tell him about this podcast cause I want him to still believe it. No. But, um, I, like he's but he's right in a way too because like I'm still very awkward in the ring I'm still very new um compared to where I want to be for sure what I know I can do but like the it, it's just going to be getting more experience getting out there getting more reps in so he can it's really impressive for me to he he comes from the karate background he doesn't know much about wrestling wrestling although he's the reason why I've ever watched wwe wwf back in the in the day that was our daddy daughter time so like if you grow me up watching that i'm gonna be that's gonna stick in my head a little bit and i'm gonna be like oh that's really freaking awesome like i want to do that one day but like wow. i but then i kind of translated it into dance and then when that didn't work out i had people telling me like i have this one friend who is the sole reason why i even set foot in a ring he he believed in me so hard that I, I literally had no choice. I had to do it. He, he was like, just, just be a valet. Just be my manager. Come walk me into the ring. All I got to do is like walk in and stand there. And then um, because of my background with dance and choreography and then now bodybuilding at the time, he was like, she'll be fine. We're just going to tell her that she's going to do a spot when we get there. And so... I get there and I'm like, oh, I just got to stand there and like look pretty, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah. He brings me back to the locker room with all the guys and they're like, all right, so there's going to be this one part. When you see me do this, I'm going to go around. You're going to slide in the ring. You're going to punch me and then the ref's going to tell you to get out. And I was like, what? I just, I don't know how to wrestle out of this. They're like, you'll be fine. So like, I mean, it was like a dance for me at the time because I was like, okay, just remember your choreography and remember your cue. Come on, come on and then get off. And, uh, that was my first thing in Brooklyn at LAW is like this Brooklyn um, promotion that's still happening. And I wasn't even wrestling, but I got my first concussion. <laughs> and, uh, oh, shit. I, uh, so, yeah, actually, this is a story that nobody really knows. Um, this was before I was like, this is actually what put me, uh, averted me from wrestling because I, I did this one little thing. I was just supposed to be a valet like talk shit and then that's it uh the spot they had me do got a lot more intricate and it came to a part where uh, so my friend is joel ruda rude awakening yeah. he's uh he's still wrestling and managing now and he was like all right they're gonna they're gonna throw me out of the ring i'm gonna roll out under the rope you pick me up you're gonna squat me and then you're gonna walk me on your shoulders put me back on the ring and then just like stand back and i was like i can do that i can squat you let's go so like 
I pick his body up, we do the thing, and now I'm like getting really animated and into it. And there's a a pillar behind me, like a oh um, no, like like a, a cement pillar, a support beam. And yeah, I, yeah. So um, awareness of my surroundings wasn't there. I was like in the ring and uh, or in the in the show. So I'm like leaning against the ring between. I put him down in front of me, so there's his ass, and then the pillar. Oh. The big guy on the other side of the ring hits the ropes, bounces into him. His ass hits my head. My head hits the pillar. And I did one of those, like, like it kind of went back and forth a couple oh. times. So I was like, oh. seeing, <laughs> seeing stars. And that was before I had to do, like, the bigger part where I, like, got in the ring. And I was like, one of the camera guys was like, you were so into it. And then when that happened, I was like, that was real though. <laughs> She's not faking that part. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I had a walking concussion for like two or three days after that. And he's like, you would be so good at this. And I'm like, no, I don't know why people do this to themselves. This is horrible. He's like, dear adrenaline. It's so much fun. I'm like, no, it hurts. Mm-mm, no. <laughs> but then, uh, yeah, he, uh, that was just a funny story because then after that, I started to like really get into it. I was like, but I did really like it and then it just stuck in the back of my head and he offered me someone to train me in Brooklyn and at the time I was living in Florida so I was like you know what I'm going to come back I want to see what you like what this is all about yeah yeah. (laughs) that's you know and you to me that's like one of the um, one of the hardest tests one of the the things that you realize that you don't realize when you get into it is that the circumstances of certain, you know, uh, things that might get you concussed or, you know, injured, or it's actually those unforeseen circumstances that will sometimes take priority. Like, man, you, you might like, you know, hurt your elbow or something doing, you know, a bump or, you know, maybe your knees kind of tweaked a little bit or an ankle. That's, that's all normal. But when you get those first, uh, injuries where those people who are either cameramen or if you're training fellow students, when they start going, Oh my God, your cell on that was awesome. (laughs) And you have to go, no, 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 real, real pain. <laughs> and, and it's it's so funny because it is like you said. It's kind of like you start, then you question, well, "Why the fuck am I doing this? Well, I'm putting my body through so much." And then you're like, "My God, that was so much fun." <laughs> I think I'm sick and twisted. I liked it. Oh my god! <laughs> exactly. Then, then you question your sanity for about five minutes. You're like, "Am I really that crazy to do this?" And you're like. But you know what? It feels so good when I, you know, especially when you yeah. when you start accomplishing things and you start. Did you have any um, as you were starting the training? Were there any uh, moves or, or uh, situations? When I say situations, I mean like learning uh, climbing the ropes and and doing moves from ropes. Mm. That was kind of a fear set when you were first encountering it that you finally got over that obstacle and achieved that, you know, move and you're just like, okay, I could breathe now. That's that's simple. I can do it. Or has it been fairly natural and fluid for you? Um, I will say the biggest thing, uh, coming from a dance background where like even I've had some experience doing dance stunt work where we weren't called dancers in the company. The company calls them action heroes. And I never got to dance with the company or perform with the company, but I trained with them. It's called a Shreds Action Lab down in Brooklyn as well. So training with them, having a little bit of like, that was the only time I ever had training on how to fall on my face. And um, I actually got my nose cracked back into place doing that, doing something wrong. But it actually helped realign my nose. So I like unofficially broke my nose and then and then broke it back into place right. after that audition. But um, fast forward, um, continuing dancing through the city and 
during my whole dance career, like any little thing that they would want to incorporate that was acrobatic. Yeah. You would land on your feet or you would land on it, on your hands or like on some limb. Right. And you would catch yourself learning how to do a flip and land on my back was like, like I could, it was like hardwired to right. land on my feet. So there was like weird times where like, and maybe I do like a hip toss over rotate and, and I would like kind of land on my feet and I'd be like, Ashley, no, like land on your back. Yeah. Like take the impact. If you land on like a certain way, you're going to disperse the impact. It's going to hurt less. The more you try to protect yourself, the more you're going to hurt yourself in the process. Trying to put your hand down when you're doing like a kitchen sink, you're going to pop yeah. your, you're going to hyperextend your elbow. Like, so, um, uh, doing a crossbody off the third rope that scared me because I there's I didn't have much where where I ended up training in Wharton at Team Adams there wasn't much top rope work that I could do or feel like I could do because the ceiling was very close yeah to our heads so it was like oh we're just gonna skip the top rope stuff but um the flippy stuff that we did like. Um, a hurricane rana. Yeah, I was. I did a. I was Damian Adams. He he like I pulled him back and he did like an airplane on my legs and then he pulled me up and I launched myself up to his shoulders and then having to flip backwards and trust that I'm gonna land safely and yeah. he's gonna flip over me. That going backwards and uh, so it's more like trusting the person you're with in the ring. To the extent where I was like, I don't trust myself, but if he thinks I can do it, yeah, <laughs> and he's a, and he he knows he knows he can do it. He's a genius, but he, like the way that he can flip around, like I feel like I'm a very big person. Like I'm 150 pounds. I'm five six. Like I, I'm not much bigger than him. Yeah. I mean, he's not much bigger, bigger than, than me, you, but for right. him to be able to control my body backwards in midair with the momentum i was like very afraid but at that point i just had to let go so the learning process of trusting yourself trusting where you who you're working with and just like letting go has made all the difference because the more i tried to hold on protect myself question the other person it just made everything worse it was like just just go and i still have problems with that but uh i'm starting to chip into that mindset of like Trust, let go. Yeah. You're going to be fine. If you're not fine, then you'll heal later. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's, you know, I think you, you touch on something that's very important in terms of when you are trained a certain way and with you being a, a trained dancer, especially a stunt dancer, you know, and your, your instinct, you have to spend the first, you know, uh, you know, three to six months, essentially getting your body used to breaking all the rules, rules that you've taught it. And that is oh, yeah. spectacular to see you go from that to what you're able to do now. It's, I mean, that's really out of all the accomplishments because, you know, there, there are so many people who can do X, Y, and Z. Some kids get in the ring and they've been flipping around, you know, since they were six years old, just, you know, it's been something they've wanted to do. But when mm-hmm. you're trained, you know, and, and your muscle memory is such that your your goal in doing what you did was to protect yourself. Um, the hardest thing to do is to break those conditioning habits of your body. And that, to me, is the most impressive obstacle that you've overcome is you've some people can't get out of the gate at that point because that's all you keep doing is basically catching yourself on your feet or you know just getting ready to plant that fall and it's it's amazing that you've been able to overcome that the second part of um you know getting in and starting to train obviously you are a you know, a performer going back your whole life. Mm-hmm. How comfortable have you been with the aspect of um, having to start developing a character? Have you found it easier to draw 
on your own personality to bring that, you know, as us performers know, you just up that, you know, five times, ten times yourself, and there's your persona. Um, how has that yeah. aspect been for you? Has that been, you know, a, a fun journey to find who you are in this new crea- career that you're creating? Yes. So that the funny thing is, um, I, I like how you made the distinction between character and persona because my coach said the same thing. He's like, you're going to have, like, you, you, you choose. Are you either going to be this character where you are like, something complete like Abaddon is that she's a character. She's yeah. a whole other thing than who she is outside of the ring. I'm sure like we all get inspirations from who we are, but then it's like, how do you, how you enhance that to another level? So I, I would right. call her like a character that she's in the ring. Right. When, it, but, and then like in contrast to that, having a persona, like right now there's just, <laughs> there's Damien Adams uh, is is the, the, the coach of Deanna Prazo and she's always used as like the best example like she is a persona that she's like exaggerated to another degree but she's right. still her but she's not trying to be something else so um, when I first got in, in on the team I was like uh, what's my character going to be like what, what can I do like I, I got this I, like, I can be like this person or like uh, like I, he, he was like like you're gonna learn how to wrestle first, uh-huh. and then like, it's like that will naturally like we'll we'll start to see like little things you do in the ring or how yeah. you sell things a certain way, and like that can help develop who you are. And I really, honestly, um, I'm still learning how to wrestle, so sure. this is very still fresh, very new. Um, I'm loving. All of a sudden, something clicked where I'm. I was learning, trying to figure out moves that feel like my moves. Yeah. And what they like kind of brought in my mind was my passion for quantum sciences. And this is maybe going to be the weird part of the interview. <laughs> <laughs> but I am, I study a lot through like Dr. Joe Dispenza and things where it's like concepts of time and how time is a made of construct and it doesn't really exist. Sure. He has this thing where he says, if you uh, become no one, nowhere, with no time and no thing, then in nothing you can create anything. Yep. But if there's something there, then that's, then you have to work with something. But if you can completely be nothing, nowhere, nowhere, no one, no time, no place, then anything is possible. And I love that concept. So, like, I like the idea between the concept of that and Doctor Strange is probably my favorite. Sure, <laughs> sure. Like having this this concept of time and and how you can manipulate it and like uh, the plus the action in that movie, the most recent one. Like, I just yeah. I I want to find a way to make that my persona, where it's just like manipulating time. It doesn't exist. It's in the palm of my hand. Uh, wow. Yeah, so I'm working through that creatively and I'm really excited about gear designs coming up and just like move sets I'm working on. But yeah, it's all like still really fresh, really new, really uh, in yeah. like the playing. Well, it, it, it's, it's pretty cool too, because I think <clears throat> what you're seeing right now is very interesting in terms of, um, like Alexa Bliss, you know, it's it's mm. something that she's now. You could tell that when you're given something that is magical, supernatural, um, it, it's it's something fun to play with, as opposed to yeah, you know, being the tough, you know, oh, I'm, I'm a wrestler, I'm gonna beat you. <laughs> it's like yeah, we get we get that. I'm and, the best in the world. <laughs> yeah, like there's a role for that, and we it absolutely is wrestling fans. We love that kind of stuff, but at the same time, me personally, I'm a big theatrics person. You know, I love, um, you know, Statlander is a great example. Like, oh my god, I love her yeah. so much. Like, why can't she? <laughs> be? I'm kind of mad that she took the alien thing, honestly. <laughs> oh, but you guys could, you guys could have a uh, an alien vortex, uh, you know, 
deathmatch. Yeah. Right? You know? <laughs> Put it on the universe. Let's go. Actually, the vortex is one of my move sets. Don't take it. The vortex. There we go. I love it. Wait um, for it. I'm gonna perform the vortex for you dude, and the quantum leap and stuff. But I. We'll get there. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny because just even saying stuff like that. I heard the word vortex, and then for whatever reason, I'm just like Ashley Vortex. Wow, that's a, that's a nice wrestling name right there. It's easier to say too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's also Ashley Box, so I feel like I don't want to step yeah, on her territory. Of course, but but it's it, but it's interesting. Maybe Ashley Vortex and Ashley Box. <laughs> But it's fun to find, like, you know, when you're sitting around and you're thinking about things, especially when it's stuff you like, it's the relatable things to you, that makes you even more passionate about wanting to develop this persona, um, develop this, you know, character. And I think the other thing, too, is that you see, like, the so, you know, you go into a company like WWE you're going to potentially be given something. And what's interesting about that is that if you can find the connection to something that you love, I think that at any point you can take what is given to you, even though it's, you know, it's nothing more than, let's say, an improv suggestion, essentially, which is, okay, you're a plumber who... um you know hates doing his job so you you take it out on you know the people in the ring okay Mm -hmm. it sounds horribly (laughs) stupid but then if you find that little part of you that kind of connects and goes you know what i kind of do like getting my hands dirty and yeah yeah i can see doing this or that it's like it's anything you want to make it and i think that that's fascinating Mm -hmm. the idea of dr strange um especially because in recent years now with the, like Matt Hardy um, and the other um, cinematic type stuff they've been able to do in wrestling now, boy, that would be a fun thing if during the match time could change. It's like, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I think, <laughs> Dimensions and realities shift. You're just like, yeah. well, where are we now? Exactly. And all of a sudden... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think you know it's funny because there's always there's always a place for something at least to even try it, and especially if you have a good producer. Oh my God, you know it's limitless. If they see the vision that's in your head, and they can take that out, make it physical, and then you make it your reality. Oh my God. It's it's gold. Um, so exciting. What what has it been for you in terms of um, the the fact that you're coming along very quick? Um, like you said, you're still a little green. You're still learning. You're going to be learning probably for the next yeah. knock on wood fifteen to twenty years because there's so much to absorb. Yep. <laughs> I never want to stop learning. So yeah, yeah. You know, but but with that, how have how have the the locker room's been in terms of um the encouragement and the you know because sometimes if you're if you're developing quick and i know that i know a few people (laughs) that their whole thing is well you know it took me 15 years to get here and you're trying to do this in 15 months? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, it, 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 have you have you been able to avoid that negativity? I want to say yes, because, and I want to play into the fact that the pandemic had a huge shift in in the the change in women's wrestling. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Um, I already knew coming into it that like girls are going to move along faster than guys. And that was something that I was like, okay, like I, I think that that's like the, my guy friends that I made in wrestling, like they're going to genuinely, genuinely be like, Oh, well we get it. Yeah. But with some of the females, I haven't had, uh, I just recently started getting into locker rooms, but like in the beginning of my training, there wasn't very many females to work with. Sure. So like the one or two girls that I was with, we were just like, 
yo, we're sticking together. Like, you're my wrestling wife. And, uh, <laughs> uh, <That's> <laughs> you can't awesome. wrestle by yourself. You need someone to yep. work with. So we always had that, like, let's wrestle first. And then, like, we don't we don't have to be best friends. We don't have to like know each other's parents and stuff. But like when we get together, know that we're both passionate about the same thing. And the better I am when I work with you, the better you work for me, like the better we are going to make each other and get better. Period. Um, so when I started getting the, I've been in, uh, the WWR plus locker room twice. And then all the other locker rooms were at AEW. So Which, I feel yeah. super blessed about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so my debut was there, was, was at AEW. And I think I, I didn't get to my face. I didn't get heat. So like, not that I know yeah. of, it was more of a surprise. Like what? You've only been wrestling for six months and you're here. Yeah. And then now I'm at eight months and it, it was, just, I got there at seven months after training and then now, am I doing the math right? I've had eight months so far. So July is See, third of November. We can go back and do the math. Is already January, February, March, April, May, June, July. Eight months. Yeah. 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 So August will be my ninth. And um, I just we, during the pandemic, everything was closed down. So we just we all I did was train. I had nothing else to do. So we were just yeah. working and training and working and training. And I think that's what accelerated me so much. And like Damien Adams knows all the like you're gonna need this and that and this and that and you were, like yeah. the details of everything. I just felt so supported and like mentally ready when I got there. Yeah. And um, I didn't so I didn't experience any uh, negativity. Actually, everyone back there was really freaking awesome. Uh, yeah. I had the most support. The mo- like when, with the pe- people that I've wrestled with, like the the actual wrestlers were like. If you need to go over it a million times, we'll go over it a million times. Like whatever you need to do to feel confident in the ring. Because like to a certain extent, we understand that if I mess up, I make everyone involved look bad. So like the more that we support each other, I'm seeing a lot more like women encouragement, like women supporting women is a huge, is a hashtag that I am obsessed with. Cause like we, we can be the best to each other or women can be the worst to each other. So the fact that I'm trying to keep my vibration high and I'm just trying to see the good in everyone that I'm around and I'm trying to bring the good with me wherever I'm around, it, I think that that kind of gets contagious. And then we all kind of go, oh, like, okay, I can breathe a little bit easier yeah. back here. Um, going back to being at the, in the locker rooms at WWR+, Plus, that has been an incredible acceptance of, of me and of like the newer girls from Team Adams that are coming in and just like I think having the promoters support so much, like Drew's support, yeah. and just being like, like, like we, I want to make this something great. Like we have yeah. to like work together, be there for each other. We're a roster. Like it really does feel like I, uh, I I had recently before I did my my first show for WWR Plus. I watched the series Glow. Yeah, and um, sure. I was like, oh my god, I'm in a glow. Like it felt <laughs> like a little glow cast. Uh, so <clears throat> I popped for that, and uh, even the second show I went back, I wrestled someone different, and it was. It, I'm I'm really happy to say like the vibes there are great. So I haven't had anyone like blatantly be like, "You suck," but like, Good. yeah, I'm sure it'll, it'll come around. Or I'm sure, I don't know. As long as people keep a good face, so the energy stays up, I don't really care what happening well you know i think that the the key there's there's a couple things you look for one um first of all you are a performer and you know that sometimes um rejection is part of the business right so i think a a lot of people who get into you know wrestling or acting or or music they don't understand that you're going to have, um, you know, one acceptance for every hundred or so rejections. So you have to have thick skin in that light. So you obviously have that already, which is great. And then of course, isn't any other profession that involves, you know, potentially having a contract, having bigger notoriety and stuff. There's always professional jealousy, because you know you're going to get it but you're not 
it's not like a full force of people who, you know, are going to gang up on, unless you're a real jerk. You know, if you're a real jerk, you're probably going to reap what you sow. Just be a good person. <laughs> exactly. And I think that mostly yeah. that's what you see then. Because I think you're absolutely right that um, that bond, that idea of trying to support each other as women um, is something very important, especially in a business like this where it's only been within the last 10 years that all these ideas and stereotypes and treatments have been able to you know, start being reversed and we start seeing that women's talent is a lot of times better than some of the, you know, the men's stuff that is out there. Um, but it's also like AEW is wonderful because every single woman knows that they want to make that product so much better. Everyone knows that you know, fans are just like, well, the women's division. Eh. And it's like, yeah. there's that passion there. Everyone is hungry to help each other because you want to have, you know, the standout work. And, and I think that, you know, who doesn't want to be in that big spotlight of look what we created. You know, the guys, mm -hmm. when this company started... The guys were good. They were solid. They were the backbone of getting this foundation. And everyone said, oh, the women can't do it. And look at what we accomplished. And I can't wait to see that come to fruition because I think that, you know, the, the idea of just having a strong knit group of people to come together, I think that's what, you know, that, that, um, I don't want to say competitiveness, but that desire to show the world, hey, mm -hmm. we can do something that's totally special and we don't need, you know, Daddy McMahon to, you know, put us in these weird situations and characters. You know, we can accomplish this and, and we don't need that. Um, that's, oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. With your... Um, with your vision of what you see for yourself in let's say the next five years and i know it's a big scope but what do you see yourself needing to progress on that will take you to that place you see in your mind what what will what do you think are the areas that you need to kind of focus on to help you excel to hit what you see as a goal in your head? This might be a really big, uh, I hope it's not vague, but mm -hmm. to me, it's probably the most, when I'm looking at people who are successful and people who have um, like the, the top titles, but not just because they have the title, but because they have like the crowd in the palm of their hands. It's like, that's what I want to get good at. It's an energetic, when someone can literally, QT did this at the last Dynamite, and he, he spoke on it, like where he just stopped in the middle of the ring, he put his hand up, just to like see the reaction from the crowd, if there would be a reaction from the crowd. Oh God, I hope there is a reaction from the crowd. Either they're going to boo me or they're going to do something, like as long as it's not yeah. quiet. You know, like, that's what that's what I want to hone in on because right now I am focused on the wrestling. When I have moments to interact with the crowd, it it feels electrifying, yeah. and I'm like, Ooh, I want more of that. I want to be able to pull the crowd with me, like with and that that came with me um, in dancing. When I started to feel that as a performer with a dance audience on a, in a concert stage, that is where the magic happened. That's where my passion turned into like an addiction for like, yeah. how can I get more of this? Like, it's almost like you put them under, you put the crowd under yourself a little bit. That's where I'm coming in with the energy. When you can sync up with them and make them watch you, make them chant, make like have people there for you. Yep. And like, it, it's one of the great 
do just like maybe barely anything in the ring, but because the the rock drops an elbow, you're like, like you know, like if he didn't do a four fifty off the top rope, like he dropped an elbow. But like his charisma, his energy, his his way of connecting with people, that's what I want to see develop as much as I can for forever, not even the next five years. So getting beyond the part of feeling like a student still like I'm always going to be a student in life right in any I'm I'm in, involved in so many I have so many interests that I constantly keep track on it's just where do I magnify the most and right now like wrestling is my primary focus it is my career now it's what I want to continue to hone in on forever so like I'm going to continue being a student of the game but I don't want to feel like a like I'm like a like a, a student of wrestling. Right. I want to be able to constantly train, but be so set on my foundation, and trust myself to to learn new things, while being able to keep that connection and grow that connection with the reason why I'm wrestling is not just so that I can flip myself in a ring. It's so I can connect with people. Yeah, <laughs> change someone's mood or reaction or get it or have them feel something like while they're watching this this sports entertainment yeah because it's I, that's what i love about it so much too i want to be athletic I, I anything i've ever done in life i can't sit behind a desk and work a nine-to-five i've come to terms with that when i was like 18 years old i was like i don't think i could do that i'm gonna go to college for dance and just from there on it's like i need my career to be athletic and to an extent performative yeah. and the way that it's come together like i found a way to do that through every career i've had since professional dancing like even as a yoga instructor it's it's a body work and then i'm i'm like delivering this class to my audience my members and then working in the fitness industry especially at orange theory fitness and at equinox gym it was like i had a microphone on i was for the class like the energy was up if it's not up then it's like no one's going to be motivated to move their body but it's still athletic and then bodybuilding and back on a stage, I was like, oh, hell yeah. The athleticism <laughs> comes in, and then I get to, like, perform it with glitter and rhinestone bathing suits. And, like, and then uh, my friend pulled me in. He's like, you got to do wrestling. And it literally was, like, the ultimate connection of all my passions in one. Right. And I was like, this is it. This, this is it. I get to, like, really connect with an audience. But I, but I still haven't gotten to that point. So that's where I want to develop more. I really connect with the audience where it's like, you're mine. <laughs> well and and I think that um you know there there's so many good um examples of you know people to watch and just absorb you know like Jericho is the first one that comes to mind Chris, Chris can oh, yeah. move his like pinky finger and yeah the place could go nuts <laughs> and I think that you click of the pen yeah, right. You know, it's like, like what? Like, how is that? Like, it's 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 amazing when you can get people to buy and invest into something. Um, and I think I love the fact that you kind of already see that where actual moments. You know, you don't have to continuously. Um, be active you know you don't have to be you know running the ropes for you know a seven minute match essentially you know hit spot hit spot hit spot hit spot it's like hey man stop for a second turn your head look you know give that because we're here for them exactly (laughs) the other thing that i think that you're going to potentially have a I, I just because of your personality and because of your work ethic, I have a feeling that you are going to be one of those wrestlers that the next generation of, you know, eight year old girls are sitting and going, Oh my god, <laughs> you know, oh I wanna do what she does. Look at it. she's a superhero, you know, and I think that is you know something that it's really true because you know a a lot of times we forget because we're adults we forget that perspective of 
you know, when we were little and we saw something for the first time and you're just like, oh, I want to do that. And it's like, there are so many eyes on you that are going to basically want to be that type of person. And, you know, 10 years from now, you could be wrestling an 18 or 19 year old that, you know, happened to be in a crowd that saw you wrestle. And I think that that connection, you know, yeah. so not only do you have fans eating out of your hands, but you also have little fans who are going to aspire to be a wrestler. And I think that's so exciting to know that you can have that type of effect on, you know, someone's life, someone who paid $40 to come into an arena for an escape of their life for three hours. It's, it's so magical. And we, you know, gave me chills, (laughs) right? It's just like, because I think that at some point in our life, we were, we all were there for that first time. You know, we all Mm -hmm. can kind of vaguely remember being, you know, four years old, five years old, six years old. And, um, seeing, you know, for the first time, something that made you go, I want to do this. Yeah. 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 Um, did you always, when you were a kid, did you have a, um, did you have a fun play imagination? Were you one of those kids who could just kind of create stories with, you know, (laughs) what makes you think that, uh, um, Oh my gosh, no one's ever asked that before. <laughs> I literally, my best friend growing up and I, Jessica Bruno, she and I, we, I could say we were spoiled. We could have had, we could have been like, mom, I want this toy. And like, we could get it like to that extent where we could ask for a toy. And then like, at some point we would get it. Right. Yeah. Her and I, when we met in our little cul-de-sac, around like, yeah, five, six years old. Um, we didn't like want toys. We wanted things to make toys. So we would sit like Harriet the Spy and like behind cars and like, cause we didn't want to be like creepy, but we would like hide so no one could see us and we would draw cars and then color them in and then cut out the cars. And then we would draw people. We called this game paper people. We would play Barbie dolls with our paper people and we would create our own people, yeah. our own relationship stories. We would watch MTV when we weren't supposed to and like get ideas with like storylines and then like create our little paper people. And then we had all the guys in the, in the block. We were like the only girls. And then her brother and all her brother's friends would play manhunt and we would get in all sorts of trouble, just like <laughs> jumping through neighborhood yards and stuff, playing manhunt. And then we found this magical place. So this is where like, I think like the roots of all like my, my imagination and manifestation and like stuff came from this place called, uh, Oh my God, does it call it the secret tree or the, the, the tree? It was just the tree. So it wow. was behind and I'm from Fort Lauderdale. So in South Florida, there's like, our neighborhood was like weird. Like everyone had their own yard, but for some reason, when we there was like a lake behind a certain strip of houses okay. that we like crawled through like vines. And of course, as a child, like it was so much more grandeur in my head. So in my memories, it's like this magical forest. Like we're like crawling through people's yards and like you just, I don't know if people saw, but in our heads, it was like this like crazy Amazonian forest. And we get to like behind the trees around the lake, and then it opens up to like a lawn and this huge tree. Wow. And we were just like, Oh, look at that tree. And in the tree, we created like a whole city in this tree. We would climb it. There was like a rope. There was like different rides where like, if you pulled on this branch, it made this branch like kind of bounce up and down. We had the gravity spot. We had the the slide wow. down. We had like things where you can like roll off the, the top branch. So I was never like afraid of heights or anything, but sure. the imagination and the athletics and the like climbing trees and flipping off and sliding down and rolling off of was like always part of it. But we would create our own world around that like trail to the tree and then the tree. So wow. um, 
That's yeah, awesome. wow, you just like triggered all that. I don't even remember what the original question was now. <laughs> no, the question was those, those it was, you know, the imagination and, and the creativity as a kid. Yeah. Um and the only reason I asked that is because of the fact that you know, I was an only child and um mm. kind of along the same type of idea um we had uh the block behind, so you had our our set of houses on um, the north side, the set of south houses on the south side of the street, and then behind that alley of those houses was um, a virtual, uh, like, fenced-in, uh, I guess, just random um, vines and trees and plants and stuff. And it mm-hmm. was very unkept. And above that was train tracks for uh, the freight trains to bring in, in in Chicago. They would, you know, bring in the goods to the city. Well, this area, as we were in maybe fourth or fifth grade, there was already, you, you start hearing whispers because it was called Hobo's Jungle. Because the theory was, is that people who were, hitching rides on the rails would then jump down roll down the side and camp out and live in this you know jungle of a forest so it was always like this amazing like journey because there was like you had to you had to learn where the hole in the fence was to sneak (laughs) in through that and then you're always on edge because what you're looking for essentially is danger because you're looking yeah. for a hobo. <laughs> We're like, hobo. <laughs> it was like, yeah. And it was, you know, it's just so wild because in your head, you just create this universe and like, oh my God. Be- when I was growing up, it was right around the time for us that Stand By Me came out too. So we were very intrigued as most, you know, 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 12-year-old boys are on the potential of finding a dead body like they did and stand by me. And so it was just like, wow, man, this like, you know. We'll find a dead hobo. We'll find a dead hobo and we'll be, we'll be famous because we'll have found this person. And, you know, it's just amazing how when you're creative and and then when you just can find those things that make you so open to believing something else, you know, believing in. I love, you know, that idea that you guys see this tree and it's just and in reality, if you if you see that scene in a movie, like you guys see this huge forest and then the reality oh. is is that it's like you cut to like this nice little small tree. <laughs> it's like when I went back there, I actually when we were like I think around 21, 22, my friend and I got back together. We're like, let's go look at that tree again. And it was so sad because oh. we're just like but it was like so we're like, well, it's just like old and dead now. When we were younger, it was much more lavish and like even behind the tree i didn't mention this was like almost like a weeping willow tree so there's like the tree that went up that we climb and then another tree that kind of caved in and that's where the danger was because we were like we swore people lived in there we also found like sheets and stuff we're like what is this like when you start like yeah yeah (laughs) getting into like discovery mode and curiosity mode yep but i think that like that level of uh, just joy for the possibility of what if and curiosity and imagination and and not believing in like this is reality grow up be, be joined reality like wake up snap out of it me resisting that to like my core like is what I think has kept me going in the lifestyle that I'm in now because I don't believe that things are supposed to be done a certain way yep. I believe that there is ways for things to be done in more ways than you can even fathom and that's where i think my concept with quantum science has really built in and to find a study that is being done by like neuroscientists and solidifying that something i believed in but like subconsciously but now looking at it in like reality terms that like 
everything I thought could be possible could be possible. Yep. And now there's science being backed up by it. I'm like, this is great. I can just be a kid forever. Like growing up is a trap and it kills creativity. And I never want to lose that part of me, that spark, that passion, that flame of like, there, there's endless, like there, if you get bored in life, you're doing it wrong. There's so many things that you can dive into. And I like, I heard that quote somewhere and I was like, you know what? All right. If I'm ever doing my life going along and it's happened where I find myself like, eh, I feel bored, stagnant. I'm unhappy. I'm in a routine. I feel like a gerbil in a wheel in New York city yeah. doing the same thing over and over and over again. Like, yeah, I'm making good money, but like, like, Oh my God, yeah. that happened for like maybe like a few months. Maybe it was like, it lasted for like a year. And then I was like, who am I? And like had to like crack out of a shell and remember who I was again. And then I was like, all right, I'm going back. I'm doing dance auditions. I'm going to do a bodybuilding show. I'm going to wrestle. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, yeah. It, it's, it's fascinating because what's really interesting about it is, um, now I'm going to, I'm just going to say here, here's your homework. And it's, it's one mm. of the best pieces of homework you can ever do. And that is watch Peter Pan. Oh, and watch it. That used to be my favorite. And you just watch it every few years because it will always remind you that that what you saw in that tree, it's still there, mm. but you got to be able to see it. And I think that that's yeah. the thing. It's like when we have that so much potential as a kid is because of the fact that we can project anything. And then when we hit the age where now you've got the stress of bills, you've got the stress of showing up for work, like you said, you start losing yourself. And, you know, you you have to always kind of draw back and go, you know, you don't want to be Peter Pan because you don't want to just be a trapped kid forever. You want to grow a bit. But that's what we see in the character yeah. of Wendy. You know, she'll never mm-hmm. lose Neverland. And unlike her parents, when she has kids, she'll encourage, you know, she'll the door, the window will be left open so those kids can experience it too. And that's, yeah, that's where you go, oh shit, all right. <laughs> So yeah, I yeah. mean, I I love that you you are there on that level of, you know, and and it carries over to what you're doing, of course, because now you can you have the freedoms of not being trapped in, you know, this this uh, vanilla that we all kind of you know kind of fall into. I look at a lot of people yeah. the when you when you're able to see people's lives now on Facebook, people that you knew and you, you go, Oh my God, as a kid, they were so like just on fire, man. They were feisty and they would, you know, they were fun and stuff. And you're seeing them like, now they're tame. They're tame. They're here's the key to, I think, I think, and, and this might go with the, the quantum idea, but my feeling is, if you never lose that kid inside of you, you don't show your age like those people who have. Those people look old. That's another thing that the timepiece is about, too. Um, there's one of my huge teachers in life is Ram Dass. Yeah. And he's uh, on my like yoga philosophy teachings and stuff. And I listened to, I went to like a seminar that he hosted virtually uh, or his, his organization did cause he's no longer with us, but right. he um, talks about aging. And if there's anyone more childlike that I've ever been uh, under the guidance of a teacher with, it's been through his teachings because he maintains the idea of keeping that childlike, energy that that youthful vitality i'm not even going to call it childlike because it's just a vitality that is so pure that you naturally are born with that then gets things layered on top of it of how you should be what's okay what's not okay look like this don't look like this and i think that there's a lot of paradigms being broken about that which is great but with ram dust in the concept of time and the concept of aging 
keeping that that central focus of your own vitality and love for life while you age without resistance is what also keeps you youthful. With every year that you gain, reflect on it and appreciate it. And then when you, every little new wrinkle when you smile, like that's earned. Right. And that's beautiful. And that's not something, the more, like, you stress over getting the crease here or the crease here because of age, then you stress out about that. Then you're not even living life anymore. You're worrying about the past. Right. And that's another thing circling into Joe Dispenza. If you're constantly thinking about what was, you're never living in the now or in the future. You're in the past. So what are you creating? You're creating more of the past. You're living more in the same. So time is what you want it to be based on where your focus is. So like every year that I gain another earn another year of life i'm like yes i'm gonna take that other year that that this new year that i just earned put it in my back pocket and but i'm still me i'm still this vital force and i do whatever i can to support that like and that goes down to my nutrition my activities my things that i do outside of wrestling to sustain myself to have a good self-care routine so that i can maintain the energy the frequency the vibration that i want to yeah. not bring to other people, but that I want to hold myself at, because if I don't feel good, anyone around me is not going to feel good because that energy, you can feel it. It is tangible. Yeah. And there's more and more studies being shown on that. I'm not just frou-frou with it, oh, <laughs> but yeah. like, it's a real, if you're in a bad mood, you sit down next to someone, they're going to be like, Oh, I feel weird all of a sudden. I think he's in a bad mood. And now it's, it's touching me. Like take your aura somewhere else. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> no, you're you're so right because I think that you know, um, it, it it if you look at um, oh, let's say you're you're in a bar and you're having a drink with a friend, you guys are talking. I think the um, the idea of vibes, you know, yeah, you just you give off vibes, oh. and I think um, we were drinking one night in Hollywood, um, just about twenty years mm-hmm. ago, and. My friend, he his uh, uh, friend, she was a friend of his growing up on the same block, right? This Tracy. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time I really got a chance to meet and talk to Tracy. And my buddy, he had left. So we are, you know, finishing our drinks. And we're just, I mean, it's just normal chit chat like you and I are having, you know, just talking mm-hmm. and, and kind of just getting to know each other. And uh, we feel this uh, this presence walk up. And it's Vince Vaughn. And Vince Vaughn goes, hey, tell me something. How how long have you two known each other? Because me and my girl, we have a bet going on. How long have you known each other? And we're like, we really just kind of met through a, a friend. And we're, we're talking. He's like, I knew it. I knew it. I'm going to tell her. I knew it. And it, <laughs> he, they had been watching us just talking. And out of all the people in the bar, it was us they were focused on. And it was because we were giving off these vibes and he could pick up on this. And it's like, that's the type of creative people I love because we see that in each other. You know, I see that in you. I know that there's stories there about you as a youth finding this, you know, spectacular thing because you don't lose that. I think the... You know, everyone talks about uh, through history and, and writings the uh, the so-called fountain of youth well the fountain of youth yeah. is actually been inside of you the whole time you don't have to search for it because it's right here it's inside <laughs> yes <laughs> oh, oh man yeah so i think 100 i think uh we're going to uh, make sure we wrap up here because i, I okay. kept you a little longer than i said i would but I mean, I don't even care. How cool! That, how <laughs> this cool! Is so great. Um, but uh, we'll uh, we'll stay in touch. I want to make sure that before we go, you let people know your social media handles so they can follow you and watch your journey. Um, and okay. um, we'll, of course, anything that you let us know about, we'll share so that people see that as well. And um, if you. Uh, you can give your social media handles, um, all right, people. Check. Well, I'm hoping that. Yeah, oh, oh, no, I was going to say, people definitely check it out and follow Ashley's uh, uh, career from 
learning about her now to where she's going to go by the time she's 75 years old and follow her for life. I really appreciate that. Um, so I'm going to just say it and I hope that when it's posted, the spelling of my name will be down there so they can just look at that. Yeah, well. But um, <laughs> so for Instagram, it's at Ashley D'Amboise. And then for Twitter, it's at Ashley underscore D'Amboise. And it's and it's so much easier to spell it than to say it because some of us are just that <laughs> just the kind it's of easier to spell it. I think. Oh, well, I think there's so. There's all those silent French letters: the wa, the o, i, the s. People don't know about the e. <laughs> but that's so funny because to me, because this is one thing I found out by myself. I, um, mm. I am one of those who, if I read something like that, the reason I can't get it out of my head what I read is because now when I say it, I see the spelling of it. Every so, letter. Yeah. So it's like. Oh, dude. But um, yeah, I, I, I am so happy we got a chance to chat. Um, this is phenomenal to see what you're doing to um, just get to know you. Um, I, I'm so glad. Um, of course, I'm going to shout out uh, a friend of ours, Travis, who, you know, pointed me in your direction. Um, yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's <laughs> thank it, you, Travis. Definitely, definitely. Sure. A, it means a lot. And um, please, if you guys are listening or watching again, follow Ashley, because the journey has just started and <laughs> you've already lived so much. I can't wait to see this phase of your professional <laughs> life and just where you're going to go and how you're going to climb the mountains that are in front of you. And, um, or I shouldn't say mountains. I say, how are you going to climb that big tree in front of you? Yes. <laughs> Down blood of the trees, right? Bring me there. Let's go. <laughs> On that note, everyone, thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Biggest bad boys of podcasting.